Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, considering one another. We talked about that last week, and I'm going to continue along those lines this week. And I want to start today with Mark chapter 2. And uh, I... I trust that you got a, a Bible or a, a device with a Bible on it uh, at your access, your easy access right now. So turn with me to Mark, the second chapter, and here we find a story. And let me just, before we, before we get into this, let me just preface what I'm talking about today with, with this idea that in Mark, the 16th chapter, and actually in all four Gospels plus the book of Acts. So in the first five books of the New Testament, we find what we refer to as the Great Commission. And uh, in all five of those books, Jesus commissions us to go into all the world to preach the Gospel. And, you know, for a believer... Our number one consideration ought to be on your mind when you wake up in the morning, ought to be on your mind when you go to bed at night, because going into all the world and preaching the gospel is the only job, you know, uh, we call it the Great Commission. I've got a friend that calls it the only commission, and, and he's correct. He's accurate on that. Because this is the only thing that the Lord told us before he went back to heaven, that the Lord said, do this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so many times as believers, we find the, the Lord's commission, uh, you know, we, we tuck that away. And that's a very little consideration in the decisions that we make every day. Uh, you know, people take... Um, People get married with no consideration to how it's going to, uh, what kind of impact that's going to have on the gospel. People take jobs with no consideration as to how it's going to affect the preaching of the gospel to all the world. People uh, move with no consideration as to how that's going to affect the gospel. People make all kinds of decisions in their lives. And, and here's the worst one people get into sinful lifestyles without considering how that's going to affect the gospel. And, uh, you know, I had a, a, a missionary friend tell me one time, he said that uh, there was a, a pastor of a church that uh, had gotten into an adulterous uh, affair. And uh, in the process of doing this, 
he lost his church, lost his ministry, lost his family. And uh, he said this was a very large church that had been supporting, had been a huge supporter of my, my friend's uh, missions ministry. And when he got into this adulterous affair and lost the church, my, my friend lost a good chunk of financial support for his ministry, for his missions work. And uh, he said a few years later, a couple of years later, after this pastor had, uh, had uh, gotten restored back to, uh, in his life, back to his relationship with the Lord and, um, you know, and, and was attempting to make a comeback and all. And he said, he told me, he said, um, when all that was going on, I never considered how that was going to affect the gospel. See, I never thought about that. And, you know, and many times many people make all kinds of decisions and things in their life without any consideration as to how it's going to affect the gospel. But in, as, as believers, followers of Jesus, we need to make that the number one consideration. How is this decision that I make, how is it going to affect the gospel? And, uh, you know, because the scripture teaches us that we are to live our lives in this manner that we are considerate of one another. Praise God. And, and not just one another as in the people who sit next to us in church. That needs to be a, 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 a huge consideration, but also how it affects the world. And uh, uh, in, in Mark chapter 2, verse number 1, we find a story here of a man that had some friends that were very considerate of him. And in fact, here it says, and again, he entered, he, Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. And immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Now, let's look at what's happening here. They heard Jesus was in the house, and some translations could, uh, you, it could be translated this way, that the people heard that Jesus was home. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I think that's a very interesting thought that Jesus, you know, he was uh, living in Capernaum at that time, and this, some of you have recognized this story already. This is the one where the men climbed up on the roof and tore the roof off and let uh, their friend down uh, into the room before Jesus. Yeah, but do you realize this was Jesus' house? This, this wasn't just some random person's house. This was Jesus' own house. Is it because, he, you know, it could be translated, they heard he was home. This was the house Jesus lived in. And, uh, but notice here that many, when they heard he was home, they gathered together to hear him 
teach the Word of God. But there were four guys here. You can read the rest of the passage. Let's go on. It says, Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw their faith. The room is packed and crowded with so many people. They heard Jesus was home, and so they came to hear him teach the Word of God, and I'm sure that some of them probably came hoping to, to be healed. They came for various reasons, but they came, and they packed the house out, but there were four guys who did not think of themselves first they didn't come to Jesus' house immediately. They went to their friend's house. They went to their friend's house first and got their friend who was not capable of getting himself to the house. And so they, before they came, they went to get their friend. And they brought him to Jesus. And it says, Jesus saw their faith. Praise God. Now let me notice this. Whose faith was it Jesus saw? The faith of the four men. But who rose and took up his bed and walked? Who got healed that day? It wasn't the four men. They didn't need healing, but they had a friend that needed healing. And because they had faith that Jesus could see, it was visible faith. And I'm sure that Jesus was not the only one there that could see their faith. But because their faith was visible, and let me just say, how is it that our faith is visible? Our faith is visible by what we do by faith. Praise God. And we're, you know... Don't misunderstand me here. I'm not talking about, you know, where you have to do something to earn something. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that when we have faith, then the faith will become evident. It will become visible. It will become visible by the things we do, how we respond to the Word of God, how we uh, uh how we, you know, if Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, faith will be visible by going and preaching the gospel. You know, faith is not visible. I, I post a lot of things on Facebook because I, I believe in, in the Great Commission. I believe in going into all the world and preaching the gospel. I believe that. How do you know that, though? How can, how can you see that I believe that because of what I post on Facebook? No. You can see that I believe that by the fact that I go. Praise God. It, it becomes evident by the fact that I go. You know, do you have friends that need to come to Jesus? Well, I believe Jesus is the answer for the world. Well, it's that, that's great faith, but, you know, 
the, that faith will be evident by what you do. It will become visible by what you do, not by posting it and sharing it with 10 friends. You know, your faith is not visible by what you say. It's not visible by your, we used to say bumper sticker. People don't do bumper stickers much anymore. They just do social media. But your faith is not visible by what you post on on social media. Your faith is visible. You know, the world needs Jesus. All right, if you really believe that, let's have that faith become visible by bringing people to Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. You know, we we like to talk a lot and, and, uh, you know, like to... um, Say, well, I believe this and I believe that, and I, you know, but but the proof is there by what you do. Praise God. You know, these four men, they didn't just sit around and say, well, our buddy over here, you know, Joe, he needs Jesus, so, uh, you know, I hope he can find a way to get there. No. They said he needs Jesus, so they went to get him. Praise God. And Joe, by the way, if you're watching me, you know, you need Jesus, but I do too. Praise God. We all need Jesus. Praise God. But anyway, Jesus saw their faith. It was their faith that he saw, but their friend's need got met. Praise God. This is how we reach the world. This is how we reach the world. Well, you know, we can post Mark chapter 16. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We can post that all day long and nobody will recover unless we actually lay hands on the sick. See? These signs will follow those who believe they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We, we can, you know, if you believe Jesus still heals, share this post. That won't get anybody healed. But if you actually do what the verse says and you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Jesus said they would. Praise God. So we expect that Jesus knew what he was talking about and he told us the truth. Praise God. These signs will follow those who believe, not by saying that, but by laying hands on the sick and they will recover. Praise God. Praise God. In James chapter 2, we find an interesting verse right here. Verse number 14. He says, But what does it profit, my brethren? If someone says he has faith, but does not have works. Now, you say, well, what does it profit? You know, let me, let me phrase that a little bit so you can kind of get the point of what I'm, I'm wanting you to see here. He says, what does it profit? You know, if I walk up to you, Albert here, I walk up to Albert and I say, what does it profit you, Albert, if 
You say you have faith, but I have works. You know, show me your faith for that. What, what does it profit? What does it profit, brother? What does it profit? And, and that's the way we read that a lot of times. But let me, let me rephrase that just a little bit. Let's say that Albert has a, a, a terminal illness. And now let me say this a different way with that thought in mind. What does it profit Albert? I'm not saying, what does it profit Albert? I'm saying, what does it profit Albert if I say I have faith? Yeah. What, what does, can my faith save Albert? You know, if I've got faith, and see, here's the deal. Let's go ahead and read the rest of this, and you'll see with, with that thought in mind, I want you to see the, the rest of this. It says, what does it profit, my brethren? No. What does it profit, my brethren? What does it profit, my brethren? If someone says he has faith, but he does not have works, what does it profit, Albert? If I say I have faith, but I don't lay hands on him for him to recover. See, what does it profit if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart, be in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give him the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? So, if I'm saying, let's say, Albert's hungry, and I say, well, brother, you know, Jesus supplies your needs. See you later. Tell me about it. Or, what if I say, Brother, Jesus said he would supply your needs, and I'm grateful to be a channel by which he can supply your need. Here's some food. Now, which one? See, my faith became visible by my works. Praise God. Praise God. What does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Why is it dead? Because Faith, the purpose of faith, is to empower the action. You see what I'm saying? The purpose of the faith is to empower the action. But if there is no action, what was the faith for? Praise God. Faith was to impact our world. Faith, let, me, let me say this. We like to talk about signs and wonders and miracles and 
gifts of the Spirit, gifts of healing. Do you know that the gifts of the Spirit were not intended? Now, there is a place for them to operate within the church. The Apostle Paul spent quite a bit of time in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14 talking about the gifts of the Spirit and talking about the proper operation of them within the church. But that was not the primary purpose for the gifts of the Spirit. The primary purpose of the gifts of the Spirit was not for our bless me club. The purpose of the gifts of the Spirit was to empower us to do the Great Commission. Praise God. And so the purpose of the gifts, in fact, if you study the, the healing miracles in the book of Acts, I don't see a single one of them taking place inside the church gathering. They all took place outside. Praise God. You see, they were given to empower us to do something. And if we don't do what they were given for us to use them for, if, they, if we don't use them for their intended purpose, I, I knew I'd get around to saying it correctly sooner or later, but if we don't use them for their intended purpose, then what's the point? What's the point? You know, here, here's the biblical pattern. The, the biblical pattern is this. You come to church, to the gathering of the church. You get equipped by sitting under the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God and by the examples that, you know, this is why we have, I'm convinced of this, this is why we have miracles take place inside the church is not because the church is the place to have miracles, but we have them take place inside the church so you can learn to do them out there. It's all a learning process. It's all about being equipped for when you're out there. So why do, you, why do you have signs and wonders and miracles in the church? So that when you leave the church, you know how to work. Praise God. Praise God. So here's the thing. You come to church, you get equipped and prepared, and then you go out and you do what you were taught to do. After that, you come back to the church gathering and you report what happened out there. But here's what we have done. We have missed the point on this. We've come into the church gathering. We've had signs, wonders, and miracles. And then we've told people, now you go tell people what's going on in your church. But the biblical pattern is you go out there, do the signs and wonders and miracles, come back into the church and tell us about it so we can rejoice with you. Praise God. And so that others can be encouraged to do the same and others can be equipped to do the same. Praise God. Faith is visible by what we do by faith. Praise God. Praise God. And as believers, everything we do should be, all right, is it okay if I get just a little bit 
uh, personal and picky here. Okay? I'm not going to ask for any show of hands or anything like that. You know, even if you're sitting in your living room, you don't have to raise your hand. Okay? It's all right. But let, let me get just a little bit picky. I started off talking about the decisions that we make and how they affect the gospel. All right? Let me just change that statement up just a little bit. We also need to be considerate about our behavior and how that affects the gospel. Do do you think that you might find it difficult to share the gospel with the guy you just cussed out? Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Do you think you might find it difficult to, to share the gospel with a guy that you just screamed at and got in his face over something that wasn't even his fault, you know? I'm sitting in an airport in Dallas a couple of years ago. My flight was just canceled. And people are standing in line, and they are screaming and yelling at the, the airline uh, agent there. The reason the flight was canceled was because of a lightning storm. It was not the airline's fault. It was not the aid. Would they prefer to take off in that kind of weather? You know? The airline made a decision to ground the flights because of the lightning storm. Flights were having, it was not pleasant. I stayed 22 hours in DFW that night and, and the next day and, and the previous day. But, you know, grand total, I stayed 22 hours in DFW airport because of that. But it wasn't their fault, you know. Uh, and, and people act like that all the time with those they're, they're around. They're, they're not considerate of how what they do might affect the gospel. We need to live with that consciousness all the time. We are in a situation in our world right now with this COVID virus that we are griping and complaining and bellyaching all the time, and then we try to preach Jesus. Do you think maybe our message is being hindered? You know, the first consideration that we need to have is how is this going to affect the gospel? Praise God. How's it going to affect the gospel? And it doesn't matter, you know, I never see, I never ever see in the Bible my rights being addressed 
well, you have the right for this and you have a right for that and you have, no, my consideration is not about what I have a right to. My consideration is how is it going to affect the gospel? Praise God. You see, in fact, if I had time today, I'd get there, but I don't. But, but here's the thing. My consideration is to be about your rights, not mine. Now, that, that strikes hard with some people sometimes. My consideration is that we prefer one another. We prefer one another. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about, you know, the Constitution being trampled on and stuff like that. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not even what I'm dealing with today. All right? So if that's what you're thinking, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your relationship with other people. Praise God. And I am talking about that you, as a believer, should prefer your brother. In fact, when it come, we talked about gifts of the Spirit in operation. The Bible says if you have a word from the Lord, you got a, you got a prophetic utterance to give, and someone else has one too. You are to give way to them. It doesn't say they're to give way to you. It says you're to give way to them. You're to prefer them. You're to keep silent so they can speak. Praise God. You know, we're, we're going to have to get into that more because that's very powerful and very important for us. You see, I have always believed this. So just, just a couple more thoughts real quick. I've always believed this. Anytime two or more people are attempting to do anything jointly, there's going to be some disagreement. It's going to happen. But sadly to say, that in church, the norm has been for the people who claim to be the more mature insist on their own rights. But the Bible says that you're not to, it says that love does not insist on its own rights. So in the church, Some will disagree with me. I've had, some, I've had some people close to me that vehemently disagree with me on this. But I believe that the more mature should yield to the lesser mature. I'm not talking about where it conflicts Bible doctrine. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about issues of personal preference. The more mature should yield to the lesser mature. Praise God. It is an issue of considering one another. Praise God. And i got to stop because I'm considering you. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, here is the most important part 
of anything I've said today. Jesus said, you must be born again. He didn't suggest it. He didn't say it's a good idea. He said, you must. The reason he said you must is because you were dead in trespasses and sin. And so it, the only way out of that is to be born again. Praise God. To, to pass from death to life. Praise God. It's that simple. And how does that happen? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want you to just, if, if you believe that Jesus came to this earth, died and paid for your sins, and then he rose again, you're halfway there. Now, let's take it the second half. Praise God. Repeat this after me. Say, God in heaven, I believe that Jesus, the Son of God, came to this earth, died on a cross, paid for my sin, and that he rose again from the dead so I could have new life. Today I choose to put my trust in Jesus for my salvation. And I believe what you said, that I, from this moment forward, am saved. Thank you for saving me. Begin to teach me to know you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love with you.